Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little odd. This is the of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. Hey everybody, welcome to Oddcast, uh, movies, music and gaming, and here with me is Dreadful Dan. Hi Dan. Waka waka waka, I'm here. <laughs> How's it going? Great, yeah, doing a sort of weird war chance. I don't know why. <laughs> Wasn't Waka Waka Pac-Man? No, I think it was Fozzie Bear. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right, um, yeah. But also it might be the New Zealand rugby team. Yes. Um, we got the Olympics going on now. Didn't we do, didn't England do okay? Didn't we get to like the semis or something? The, the that sevens. was the football, com- the footballing the, European. The, the, the European that part football of the Olympics? Championships was uh, we got to the final for that, and that's the Olympics, is it? Mm, that's a separate thing. That's, this is happening in Tokyo. That was in London. This is why we don't cover sports on this show. It's <laughs> <laughs> part part of it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw sh- some diving. I saw some mm-hmm. diving. That was uh, shit. Yeah. Uh, what's the point? I can jump in the water the, the best. Mm. Better I than... haven't watched any of it. I've not watched any Olympics. Awful. Um, yeah, I mean, by the time this comes out, we might find about 100 medals, who knows, and then everyone's watching, cheering on something. But Yeah, don't bother. If you like Olympics, uh, go, go and watch Cool Runnings. It's like the Olympics, but, but, but better. <laughs> well, it's set, set in the Winter Olympics, which is yeah. my favourite Olympics. Um, <laughs> do you, have you seen, I know we're completely going off immediately on a tangent, but have you seen hand, the, the game handball? Handball. It is the only thing I've, I only see it in the Olympics, and it's literally people running around throwing a ball. And it looks like it's the only sport that I've looked at and thought, I reckon I'll be good at that. 
I wouldn't mind playing that. The other one's kabaddi. It's not in the Olympics, but that's the only other sport. It's it's a sport there. It's really big in India. So when I was in India, I saw it on the uh, TV. I haven't seen anyone actually playing it. It's in the streets. All right. What is it? It's it's basically like British Bulldog. (laughs) It's a schoolyard game that children play here in the UK where basically you have to just like tussle people to the ground. Okay. And tag each other in. Yeah, so Kabaddi, I think it's like there's two different teams and you go up and you've got a ball and they just have to get you and pin you down. Um, And if they say, and they actually have to say Kabaddi, Kabaddi, Kabaddi. Fuck off. And if you can can slip away before they've had the chance to say that, you can carry on like uh, it's It's not real. This is not mad, real. This is some like sexual harassment thing <laughs> yeah. that you got accused of or something with the children in the schoolyard. Uh, I tried to set up a kabaddi um, like London team. I bet you did. I bet but you did. No, well, no one knows what it is. <laughs> <laughs> For a start. Um, well, this leads us nicely on. Are you primed, Dan? Are you primed for today's movie that we're going to be discussing, um, which is the 2004 film primer I mean, you've got the 400 billion dollars you've gone to charity route you have this perfect 100 room mansion with matching his and her yachts and helicopter pads how do you feel your day what do you do here's what's going to happen i'm gonna read this you're gonna listen you're gonna stay on the line and you're not gonna interrupt you're gonna speak for any reason some of this you know. I'm going to start at the top of the page. Inside the box, it's like a street. Both ends are called the same. They took from their surroundings what was needed and made of it something more. Now, Dan, I made you watch this. <laughs> yeah, you did. Why I made did you, you do watch that? it. I know. So, um, I uh, straight off, I enjoy this film and I actually... Uh, Shane Carruth, I believe that's how you say his name. Um, he's been in a lot of hot water recently, which I guess we'll kind of come to a little bit because I think, think we have to touch upon it. But I was a really big fan of his. And I remember seeing this film and thinking, that's a complete head fuck. And this was before like YouTube and and all this. And I remember specifically trying to figure it out and having to like watch it. Um, so since then, loads of people have explained it. And I think they've done a much better job than I ever could have. But I will try and go through it today. But putting all that to one side, did you know anything about it? Like, what did you think when you saw, like, the cover? What what were you expecting? I'm really interested in basically what you thought about this. Okay. Um, I hadn't heard of it. And when I went online, I actually tried to avoid reading anything too much about it. Because mm-hmm. when I know I'm going to be watching a film, I think I'll just... Um, take it at face value. So I really didn't see or read anything before watching it. I, I got the impression, I think you said it's a sort of science fiction mm-hmm. uh, film, indie and maybe a bit weird. So yeah. that was really all I went in expecting. And I wouldn't say I hated the film. Okay. But I did experience some hateful feelings towards mm. the people that made it. Okay. Right. <laughs> Interesting. What did you, what did you specific, I mean, I think I can guess, um, 
But what did you specifically hate about it without going um, into too much detail to begin without with? Without going into too much detail. I mean, I did, I found it, ultimately, I found it Confusing. boring. Okay. No, I found it boring and irritating. Right. Interesting. Uh, it was confusing, obviously, by design. Um, but I really thought as well, you know, reflecting back at the end, it's not, you know, the, the plot isn't as confusing actually as all as all that. I think they throw in so much stuff and so much of it is then like the technique, obviously. Yeah. That the, the kind of um, like obfuscates some of the, you know, like linear narrative. Um, and it's one of those films, I think it, you know, then I looked at some of the comments that people have made in reviewing it and um, it's one of those films that, demands your attention and demands re-watching mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe in my 20s, I'd have thought that was quite cool and quite an interesting challenge to kind of tackle it and figure it out. Yeah, like me. But I don't... <laughs> I suppose I don't see any value now in kind of working that hard to figure out what's going on yeah. in a story that actually doesn't carry all that much weight or value. Well, it's interesting, Dan. Um, and that is all stuff, which I'm glad. I'm kind of glad you said, because I think if you'd have come and said, oh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd be as interested to discuss it with you, the fact that you're a bit like, I don't really like it that much. Um, because... Uh, basically i i want to kind of not try and change your mind because i don't think i'm going to be able to do it but you're going to present the case yeah i'm going to present the case and i'm i think i'm going to enjoy presenting the case more knowing that you're currently in this you know view this point yeah. of view if that makes sense so anyway people are probably listening to this thinking what the fuck are they talking about olympics for and then and now we're talking about whatever this family <laughs> stuff i've never heard of so <laughs> primer Primer is a film, as I said, 2004. Um, in a nutshell, the story itself is about these um, like engineers, basically, who work in a garage. Um, and I'll, I'll come on to the plot because that's the whole film is basically plot. Um, and they accidentally make a time machine. But what it is, is that it's <clears throat> a time machine that allows you to kind of travel back within its own limitations, which I'll kind of come to. But essentially it's a box that you turn on and then you do whatever and then you climb in the box at a later date. And when you get in the box, you're traveling backwards in time to when you turn that machine on to begin with. So you're kind of looping back on yourself in real time, which is interesting. So it's a very... um, it's it's trying to be as like scientifically um, factual as much as you can be with something like this um, as possible. And the they never really at any point call it a time machine. Um, I don't think it's more no. just like um, I think the idea is they were trying to make an anti gravity thing, and then they realised somehow that it was affecting like uh, time. So, um, so, but that whole thing is quite cool, and I'll get into that. Um, but in a nutshell, it's them then like kind of playing around with the possibility of what they could do. And essentially they fuck themselves over. Um, the kind of basis So whilst this is all going on, 
Um, and Shane Carruth, who, um, well, he directed it, he's, he stars in it, he edited it, he produced it, he scored it, he did everything on it. Um, it's his baby as such. Um, yeah, he, uh, he made the whole thing for $7,000 um, if you can believe it. And a lot of the people in it, friends and family and all this stuff. And the reason why he went for $7,000 and he had that as a target in his mind is because he saw El Mariachi by Robert Rodriguez and mm. he made that for $7,000. And he was like, if he can make that for $7,000, huh. I can make this for $7,000. Anyway. Um, it does so- go to show though that if you want to make a good film, you know, you're not going to get back to the future with $7,000 and a first-time filmmaker, you take that fantastic concept of time travel, you give it to Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. and a multi-million dollar budget, you get Back to the Future, you get Back to the Future 2, and let's not talk about Back to the Future 3, but give that <laughs> time travel it. concept yeah. to this guy and, and Peanuts, and you get monkeys. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> So, <laughs> touching it made it made over five hundred thousand basically in the box office, which was fairly that's good amazing. That was, which is um, an indie. that is amazing. And the, and the reason why is it got he um, literally. So, all right, let's go into the background of it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get into it. So, it is a cult film. It's known as like the time travel movie for the thinking man. The reason why is because I don't think anyone is going to be able to watch this film once and know what the hell is going on. I think you'll have trouble watching it five times and still actually know what the hell is going on. Um, but that's part of it. It's part of the whole thing. So what happened is that basically Shane Carruth was like, he started his uh, career as an engineer. And that's why, like, in the film, you know, they're engineers in the film. And, you know, there's a whole thing where, like, they say, no, it's like a young man's game or whatever. I used to be an engineer or whatever. So there's, like, it's a bit, it's very personal to Shane in, in that way. Um, and, uh, he was in a car accident basically, and he was having to stay with his parents. Um, he looked after him. He spent a lot of time watching TV and he was basically inspired by, um, he'd been working on a script or whatever. And I think it took him a year to do, but, um, during that time, yeah, he was inspired by all the president's men, uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman film. Mm. Um, and you can kind of see that, especially to begin with, like two men kind of on a mission. And a lot of people say when they, um, well, not a lot of people, but I've read that like people say, it's no like it's not it's not like got a, not only is it um a film that's made up um essentially of montages or snippets of different uh, whatever's going on there's no clear like act one two or three but i would actually argue and say there is actually a clear one two three act i'd say like the first act yeah. is them creating the time machine and setting all that stuff up the second is basically them kind of experimenting with it and then yep. the third act is when it goes off a cliff. And I can, I'll literally be able to kind of select what actual scenes is where, yeah. which happens. Um, I'd agree with that. Yeah. So I do think it does kind of still follow that structure. But, um, but yeah, so that's why that first act is very all the president's men, I feel, which is like they're trying to like gather bits and pieces and they're talking over each other and they're trying to figure stuff out and they've got like mm. stuff on the wall. And you, it does like suck you in, not to get too much into like, the actual plot um, to begin with, but it does kind of suck you in because they're using like jargon. You're not quite sure about, you're not really sure what they're discussing. There's very carefully put together montage of scenes that kind of very quick and they're all different locations. So it's, it's keeping you active and you're not sure what's going on. So it's like a mystery 
um you're intrigued by like what's happening yeah and i really i, I really liked that beginning um yeah, yeah sorry, I saw that film recently, actually, so it's funny you've brought it up. And I also uh, didn't very much enjoy it. Um, But I thought part of the reason there, well, it's that lack of information. So they Mm -hmm. do just give you that dialogue and they don't fill in any of the gaps. Um, But I thought that that was okay. I thought that was good for the contemporary audience because you would assume that they're all familiar with the detail of the Watergate scandal. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, I think it's quite admirable. They're not like pandering and patronising, um, but it did mean that, like me in in twenty twenty one, I was just a bit like, sorry, what? What's happening? <laughs> um, but obviously, that's not the case mm. here because there's no there's no context for anything no. that's happening. No, this is all this is all brand new. Um, so yeah, basically, and this is what I always found really admirable about Shane. So I guess like before I kind of get into it too, too deep. So Shane Carruth, it, uh, last year he got, he got put a restraining order on by his girlfriend that he split up with in 2018. And she's actually in his second film and his last film, I think, um, Upstream Colour, which I loved. I thought was, had everything I loved about Primer and all that kind of was still like, not quite sure what's happening, but it, I, I knew um, it wasn't like time travel or anything. And it was still very weird, shot beautifully. Um, and I was really amazed that he was able to do that again with a very, very tiny budget. Anyway, the girl in it was his girlfriend at the time. She's the one that's put the straining order on him. And he's just kind of gone off on one. And when you read the details, <clears throat> it's not only stuff like, um, I'm going to kill you, whatever, but like he physically... Um, he was like choking her and like doing all sorts. He wouldn't stop even with the restraining order. Apparently during the actual uh, court case, he just kept interrupting the judge and whatever. And it just, I think he's just gone a bit mad to be honest wow. um, by the sounds of it. Um, and I think there's an element of pretentiousness and dickishness about him anyway, which I chalked up to being like, he's an artist or whatever. Like he's someone who started, he was an engineer and then he thought, I'm going to do this. And he went out and did it. And that's really admirable. Because that part of me thinks that maybe he's actually just fucking insane. (laughs) Maybe he's just off his nuts. So all that stuff has happened in the last uh, year, I want to say, like year and a bit. So it's fairly recent. Um, And it's a real shame. But I will be talking, uh, you know, I can't, I probably can't not, and I'm not like saying like, obviously he's this like pinnacle of whatever. But definitely up until that point where I heard about this, I had big time respect for this guy and um, it does feed into Primer as well. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because I do think taking that aside, um, there is that kind of, um, his work ethic is strong. And I think okay. there's something to take away f- from that, um, which is still, you know, uh, a positive thing, I guess, um, even though he's kind of, you know, gone off the deep end a little bit so yeah just like yeah. into context for anyone listening and going like oh god he's a fucking beats up women or whatever and it's like yeah. yeah that's bad but this did happen and i just you know i am aware of it um but yeah it it's always difficult you, you have to kind of uh, i suppose try and um detach that a little bit from then the discussion of the film and the work that he's already mm. created before that incident yeah so, uh, that said, I was sitting there, like I said, I did feel hateful feelings towards people associated with <laughs> making the film. One of the first things I thought was, 
I need to look and see. I hope this guy hasn't had a successful career after this. No. And I saw he's only kind of directed one film after, and I was like, good. Yeah. And uh, so this is film. just the cherry on top, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. You got your wish. But um, <laughs> the, so, yeah, talking about his work ethic, and, you know, this is, and I kind of like, this is, for me, it's quite inspiring because this is, there's that part of me that, that is very similar to him in the sense of like, he just went out there, <clears throat> he researched it, he did the work and he did it rather than feeling like entitled or a sense of nepotism or whatever. Um, he didn't, he literally didn't know how to make a film. He was like, I want to make a film. I don't know how to do it. And he basically went out and just did loads of research. He went to work on a set for free so he could get a sense of how a set works. He was asking questions constantly to anyone and everyone who worked there, trying to figure mm. out what he could do. Apparently he would read um, American Cinematographer, which is a magazine for cinematographers, well, known, mm. the, the, the biggest, best one, whatever, to find out, you know, about like F-stops and how to set up a shot or whatever. So he learned about that. Um, then he went out and storyboarded the whole film using a 35mm um, camera so that he had, um, because he knew he was going to shoot on film, which is another thing I'll come to. Um, he auditioned people. There was a local actor who was the guy that ended up um, uh, playing, um, oh God, what's his name? Abe, that's it. Yeah. Um, uh, David Sullivan. And they went away and they rehearsed their lines for four weeks in a children's library. <laughs> Um, they just sat there just to, and they said they wanted to do it so many times that they got sick of kind of talking to each other and sick of repeating the lines, um, which is kind of how that comes across in the yeah. film as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they talk over each other and they feel like a little bit, you know, it doesn't, it feels like as if they're just trying to get it out. I don't it know. It feels like, quite, f- well, it feels flat. I, I saw yeah. a, a quote from him oh, yeah. where he said, he decided to take that role in the film himself because he couldn't find actors that um, would kind of stop putting so much drama into the delivery. Yeah. So he wanted that very natural, realistic, very dry delivery. Yeah. I appreciate everything that you've mentioned there, like his drive to make this happen and, and the hard work and everything. Mm. Um, I suppose, you know, then being an amateur and putting this together that's probably what leads to it having such a distinctive look and tone mm-hmm. and editing and narrative device and everything. Yeah. Um, so I imagine, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, there are some positives about the film. And I think that's, yeah. that's one of them that you can, you have to say it's a unique film. Mm. So I think there's a niche audience that will love it and be like, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. And that's um, it. He didn't have yeah. any background in film whatsoever he went out taught himself and he did it and that's very much how i always feel about stuff it's like if i want to do it i'll do the research and do it and that and part of that comes from primer weirdly so um which is why it's you know it's not really a personal film but i've always kind of um respected the fact that he just went out there and did it yeah Um, good old school diy punk philosophy exactly yeah exactly that um he uh he shot it on 16 mil um and it has and that kind of gives it that like feel, that kind of grainy kind of film effect what's great is that it never looks cheap because he because the film is obviously so expensive every single shot that he had done bear in mind what i said like storyboarded um in 35 mil was very specific and i think they only did like one take of each scene um so he didn't really have much to play with which it, which apparently fucked him in the edit which it, which it would do um <laughs> But yeah, there was no like coverage or anything. Um, 
So yeah, but you see like the lighting's nice. It's got a lot of it's a lot of like yellows and greens and blues, and it's all been kind of it's all just been thought about. Um, he plays a lot with like you know focus and depth of field, which is nice, um, and it, it just looks like it doesn't. It looks polished enough that it doesn't look too amateur, but yeah, it doesn't look like highly produced, and that's what. And what's weird is that it kind that's the kind of um, effect that it should have for the basis of the film, which is that it's like two guys, you know, working in their garage, getting it done. And I would say that actually the box itself within mm. Primer is the film. Um, I don't think anyone's actually said that anywhere, but I think it's a pretty clear metaphor that the box, mm. the, the box is the film. He's literally working on it in his garage, like trying to piece it all together. He's researching, going away. It's about someone who's who used to be an engineer. It's him um, and all this stuff. And okay, like, you know, and then it's like you think about how it works with time and how you can go back and change things and change the narrative, which is exactly what editing is it does. Um, yeah. And I don't know. So all that, I think... Slavishly can... working on the project fucks all these relationships and <laughs> screws yeah. everything up at the end, right? Yeah, there is, there is, yeah exactly. There is also that. Um, um, I'm just going to counter what you said, though, because oh, I, I didn't like the look of the film. Okay, fair enough. Um, and that was one of the things, I think, that I found unappealing. I've seen quite a few comments then, reading the reviews and things from other, other users. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm not talking from a technical standpoint here. I'm just what's being presented to me it, it felt uninspiring i don't know it was, it was a lot of the same kind of tones colors i found it quite mm. bland to, to look at yeah fair um enough. quite quite dark in places mm-hmm. lots yeah, of them what, quite high um high contrast scenes as well like outdoors yeah yeah, I found it. I found it. Yeah, quite sort of like a bit fatiguing, frankly. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's why it, it's what it's got that. It reminds me basically of because it's sixteen mil as well. When you used to see those kind of like, um, it's kind of docu style, but I don't want to say that. It's more in the vein of like indie. Funny enough, like you could say like punk indie. Um, you know, when you think of like the year that punk broke or whatever. Yeah. And, um, all right, it's like you know, those are gigs and stuff. But the way it's just kind of, it's a bit fly on the wall. It's a bit distant. It's very, very rare that it has close-ups. So if it does close-up, it's still like stuff in between. It's never like the camera right next to the face or anything like that. There's still like a distance with it. Um, and I think there's an actual certain certain quality to it that I think makes you feel like there's a sense of realism about it. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe if it was more... Um, I don't know yet, inspired or if they played around, I think it would look too much like an actual film and it would take away from the whole point that this is like a roll your sleeves up, gritty, dirty, like, you know, it might look too much like a polished time travel movie. Um, And the whole point of this is it's supposed to be like real. So what if time travel was real? Like, what would actually, like, you would be fucking terrified if you found out how, you know, people would be like, oh yeah, I'd go back here or do whatever and play with this. And they're actually like, scared of what the power that has now been bestoweth on them um and part of what the film uh, theme of the film is as well is that it's to do with what kind of what was kind of going on at the time i suppose in a way but it's to do with the two it's their relationship as friends 
<clears throat> but it's also to do with the fact that they're very selfish, egotistical people. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and you can tell that from the start, can't you? Right from the start, yeah. And um, that's part of it, that the only thing they can think of what to do with this thing is to play the stock market, basically, which, you know, we'll come to. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's quite funny you didn't like the look. I mean, I thought it was perfect for what it was, but I guess, yeah, I can see why someone, yeah, wouldn't like it. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, when you're sitting down watching something for an hour and a half, I was just like, yeah, this is difficult to watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair <laughs> um, enough. And then, like, something you just picked up on there, like the, you know, nature of the characters as well. It's quite a, a lot of time to spend with, you know, pretty unlikable characters. Mm. Um, which again, this is so. This is the problem. I think I just like inherently didn't kind of like yeah. what his vision was for the whole whole film because mm-hmm. obviously these things like they make sense. Like it makes sense, like you said, that it looks like that. Uh, it makes sense that these characters are like that and act like that because then it's analysing how it starts to break down. But then yeah. just from a stepping back and going as a piece of entertainment, um, yeah, so I'm not really invested with these people. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't really want to see them succeed. (laughs) Struggling to, uh, yeah, stick with their story, basically, or bother then to try and interpret what's going on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I quite liked the fact that I didn't like them because I thought it's kind of like watching the bad guys who don't know they're bad guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, And I found that that quite interesting. Um, I guess like one main criticism I have, which is not going to be a surprise to anyone, is the editing. Um, I know it took him like two fucking years and he tried to quit the project like four or five times or something. He said he was just done with it because he just didn't know the the process was painstaking. He shot it on film and then he had to get it converted to digital and then he had to do it in Premiere and it's things he'd never used before and he didn't know how to sync the sound and all this stuff and he, he just found it horrific. What a shame. Um, Even I know how to do that. You could have sent it to me. This was 2004 as well. Uh, fair so, enough. Um, you know, it, it would have been uh, slightly more difficult maybe. Than, I still using a calculator in 2004. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. scientific <laughs> calculator. Yeah. Um, remember those? Um, so, yeah, he was, he, and he was an editor. So he edited it. He'd never done it before. Learned, uh, tried to teach himself and learn it and whatever, fine. Um, and then, yeah, so there's an element where especially in that third act, I was thinking they they needed to have shown a bit more. For me, like, and we'll come to this, is that the party is quite a key event. um, Mm. And I feel like they should have made more of a deal of that than they did. um, Because it's Mm. actually, I would say, weirdly, the kind of crucial hook for the whole movie. Um, Mm. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's the dramatic kind of uh, fulcrum around which the whole film revolves. But you don't really realise that until it's kind of ended. Oh, that was exactly. actually really, really important. important. <laughs> yeah. and he, never, he only gets like 20 seconds of screen time at the whole mm. movie, really. Um, so the same way, I quite liked the audacity of it. But I was thinking, <laughs> it yeah. was like, oh, it needs, oh, it really needed, which would have made people like maybe yourself, yeah, um, but especially for the general project, walk out and be able to maybe piece it together a little bit more was just in the editing, just kind of let things breathe a little bit more or just pay a bit more attention to certain parts of it. 
because it does require you to actually pay attention to think. But even if you're paying attention and thinking, you're not going to come out of that first time and be like, whoa, which you could have been had it yeah. been more, had it been explained properly. Um, yeah. Well, there are there are a few key events, I feel, that like if he'd made more of them almost like, you know, like a marker in the sand just to keep you then involved in the developing storyline. Mm. Um, then it would have been okay maybe to have these then long chunks where everything's quite vague because it would you'd still get that kind of cool moment in your head where you piece it all together towards the end. Yeah, There was just so little to uh, grab hold of, so much kind of um, narrative noise, so mm. to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's one. I think as well, like, like early on, probably the marker as you move into like the second phase, really, when he kind of sees the duplicate of himself yeah. around that time. Yeah. Maybe again, there just a little bit more information so that you're really understanding. Cause even again, at that point, they haven't actually said it's a time machine. No. I was sitting kind of like, Oh, they've invented something like there's like a transporter maybe mm-hmm. that can like transport you to a different place. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't picked up on the time travel thing. And then it took me a little while to kind of get up to speed and, yeah. and figure that out. And I was like, is that meant to be him or is it not? Because you only see him from the back. And yeah, there were just little bits like that where I was like, oh, there was a bit bit more, if he'd gone for a bit more conventional storytelling mm-hmm. method, obviously that was a decision he made, I guess, not to. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, respect that, but uh, yeah. it did make it a bit difficult. I think as well, like I'm not too fussed about that stuff, but it's more like he should have laid more groundwork for the final act of the film because there are some bits of it and some some parts of it, like when you think back to it and you're thinking about it, you're like, oh God, that's actually slightly horrific um, and horrible, but it just didn't click with me until... Like, Such as? Well, like, well, there's a version of him in the attic that's just been left yeah. to die, basically. Um, and we'll, we'll come to that, we'll come to that. So I guess like, yeah, so maybe now's the time where... I think let's discuss the plot as you see it, if you're watching it first time. Yeah. And then what happens before we go into the final act, which is where everything's kind of exposed, I will try my best to explain what has actually happened in the film. And then we'll kind of go across there and then that will lead into the third act because that's where it all takes off. So I'm going to just try and explain the film. You're Joe Bloggs, you're sitting there, you're just watching it um, and see what happens. So maybe let's take a little break and get into that bit, the juice, the meaty part. Good luck. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. 
Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So, we're back. So, as I said, talk a little bit about the actual plot. You're sitting watching the film, what you're seeing. So, the whole thing, well, firstly, it opens out to a garage, garage, and you've got these four guys in suits, which I thought was quite nice, as in, like, they're working, they want to be, like, a tech startup, working at, like, being the next Apple or whatever. Yeah. And they're still wearing suits. Like, they're still treating it as a job, which they do throughout the yeah. whole film as well, I should mention. At the same time, you've got this VO, which sounds quite threatening, and it's like, okay, you know, listen, um, don't interrupt me, don't do whatever, and you're like, okay. And then he's kind of explaining stuff. But it's distorted, sure it is. isn't it? Yeah, it's like as if it's through a phone or something, um, or it's a, a message of some kind. Um, but it's not really saying anything. It's just a bit like setting it up, like, oh, we didn't know what we were doing or whatever, I don't know, blah, 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 where to begin with. And basically, you see these four guys are working in this garage, and they're trying to get, they're trying to get investment for like some of their ideas, and they're just trying to decide what they're supposed to be working on. They're not quite sure. Um, they're trying to see what they can do and what they can sell and how they can make big money. Um, so the first 20 minutes is kind of them talking about what ideas they want to try out. And they talk about it's something to do with like making something cold, but it's not cold itself, but they're kind of talking around things. You're not quite sure what's going on. And then they basically, um, they put together this plan. They're like, okay, we need all these like bits to put it together. So they get like platinum from a catalytic converter that they get out of the car and they get like yeah some, that was quite amusing actually this early yeah, bit it was actually it made me laugh yeah and they're like yeah we need we need this type of metal and then it cuts to a scene where he's literally just like because they've got no money mm. like pulling his catalytic converter off his car and then which is like we need some copper uh piping copper tubing or something yeah. and then you see them <laughs> like tinkering around the back of the fridge yeah and he's going I think we can spend a bit of money on this. I don't think we need to like destroy my fridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all that, so all stuff of that was great. quite fun. It's like that. It's almost like, hey, here are the guys all pulling together, getting their uh, their wacky invention off the ground. Yeah, exactly. And they're trying exactly, it's exactly that. You're not sure what they're doing, but again, you're like, oh, this is interesting. Like, like, oh, they're getting all the parts, this big puzzle. It's almost like solving a crime or something like that. Like they're trying to put all the pieces together. Um, and I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the fact that they were like talking science and being like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't understand it, but they seem to understand it and it, they seem to be really yeah. engaged with it. So cool. Um, so you're intrigued. It kind of brings you in. And then as that kind of goes through you, that's when you start getting the first uh, instance of how selfish they are because they're like, right, we're not going to tell the other two. You and me invented this. Fuck them, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, so immediately you're like, okay, like, that's a bit 
of a dick move, but, um, you know, all right, whatever. Um, but you, you kind of get over it because you think, well, the other guy, the other two wanted to work on something else and they're like, we want to work on this. So you're like, okay, okay, okay. But it's a kind of first hint that yeah, these guys are a bit dickish. Um, and uh, yeah, the, and during the whole thing, it's their friendship kind of coming under question more and more. Um, so they basically kind of figure out, they're able to figure out this kind of anti-gravity thing it looks like to start with. Um, and the so this is where it kind of gets difficult. And you notice they'll like put their hands in and that's something that, that we'll kind of come on to later as well. Um, and basically they put something, they put it in a box or whatever, and then they put something in the box. And, a weeble. What is it? A weeble. A weeble. And so this is part of what um, Shane, the guy who directed it, um, was also saying is that it's like the, some of the greatest inventions were born out of being the side effect of something else, basically. Yeah. Um, and he wanted it to feel like that with this. Like they weren't striving to make a time machine. They are trying to do something else and somehow they've unlocked time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this uh, Weeble thing. Um, it, 1970s children's toy. Is it? I've never, I've never heard about it. It must be another oh, really? thing, is it? Um, I used to have some that I inherited when I was a child. Um, I, again, I saw him saying that he really wanted it to be a Weeble and he had to like scour eBay. <laughs> really? Because again, I guess 2004, like now you go on, there's probably like a thousand Weebles, but yeah, you had to uh, search high and low to get a Weeble. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Um, so they're kind of doing tests and they see that, I think if they see that like the mass has changed, um, and they don't really understand what's been happening um, or, or even like what it is or what it does properly. They start like, I believe at some point they, they put their watch in and their watch is going backwards. So they know that like weird stuff is happening. And Abe is kind of the protagonist at this point. So Abe's kind of like leading, I guess, more on what this machine is doing, what it is. They're both being part of it, but Abe's kind of leading more. Um, and then anyway, like Abe goes off and takes this weeble because uh, it's got all this stuff on. He's like, what the hell is all this stuff? They find out that basically it's this weird protein that is on everything. And what it's done is it's accumulated over time, like X many days or years or whatever it is in that whatever those few minutes that it was in that machine for. And um, so they've got this whole thing. And I thought this is quite cool, this whole like, he's trying to talk to other people and he's like, tell him what you told me. Like, but as if I'm not here. Like, he's like, I told you. So like, well, tell him because he yeah. doesn't know. <laughs> And all this stuff. And I quite liked all that. I thought that was quite um that was quite fun. But also again, they're trying to like slowly give you little pieces of the puzzle that you're trying to work out. And it's going, all right, you've got to talk to this person and that person. And I quite liked that because the whole thing feels like it's this weird like journey. Um, and it's not just like one guy with like exposition, like his stuff. It's like they're like, I don't know, like it's just this thing, like whatever, it's probably a joke. Like, go talk to whatever. And it's like, you know. I quite like that idea of it. Again, it's like very scrappy. Like everything they do is like super scrappy. Yeah. Um, and again, it made me think of like when he was trying to search out how to do film and he's like trying to ask all these people and ask all these questions and whatever. It feels like it's got that um, mentality behind it. Yeah. Like, some of them don't take them seriously and just yeah. kind of like they give them a bit of info begrudgingly. Yeah, exactly. And they're yeah. like, why do you even want to know this? Like, whatever. Like, at one point, like, the guy's just, like, eating against a rail. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> so it was quite cool. So they basically, and this is where it starts getting into, like, the science, the proper science. So they basically theorise that this object has been essentially in a loop 
from when they turned it on to when they turned it off. And during that time, it's been bouncing around in time, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, however, they work it out like X many times. Um, and they basically realized that what they are putting in um, is somehow it's able to actually travel backwards in time. Um, but it's getting kind of stuck there until someone opens it between, a, and this is where it starts to get a bit confusing, between a point A and a point B. So you put something in a point B at the end and it will come out at point A. But the thing is, obviously, it's just going to sit there forever until someone instigates the fact of opening it um, to get in or get out. So yeah. they they were like, well, what if that was, what if it was like a smart object, like, like a person or whatever like that? Um, then yeah. they do that. It's like, then it would work, right? So they're like, hmm, maybe, I don't know. So that's the setup. Go on. Exactly. For, well, what I think you're about to say, which is that's the setup now for we move into a different type of film. And it feels really like at that point, you get an alarm bell rings. Mm. And it starts to feel like that is the setup for every kind of classic sci fi film, isn't it? It's like the fly or something. Yeah. So we found this thing. Uh, we've established that these guys are maybe a little bit ethically unsound. Um, and now they want to experiment with uh, with a real live person. Yeah. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah, exactly. You're bringing humans into the mix. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's they've not said that they're going to do that either at this point. They're just like, that would make sense. Like, yeah. you know, and that we, that's something that we should try. So but we know. We but know. we know. So then they go and uh, Abe, um, so Abe is David uh, Williams, I think his name is, um, oh god, I should get that right, shouldn't I? Just in case it's not, yeah, David Sullivan. Sorry, not David Williams. David Sullivan, who I'm just gonna keep calling Abe. Aaron, who is Shane Carruth, the director. They're the main two people, but just, to, just so we know who we are going forward. So Abe meets Aaron, and Aaron's just sitting on a bench, but he's got this earpiece in, which doesn't really seem like anything at that time, mm. um, but it's actually quite important for later on. Um, and he basically tells him. Like, okay, I'm going to show you something amazing. And Aaron's a bit like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you about? So um, they go to his office and whatever, and he's like, you know, and someone comes in, it's like, oh, you know, have you met Thingy outside or whatever? So they're, and they're talking about, um, I think they talk about the party then or whatever, but basically during that course of time, um, he's there's this party that's going to happen later that night. Fine. So... Anyway, that kind of happens. They go into the storage facility and I think this is quite a cool shot because they're kind of sitting there talking about it being like, you know, oh, well, you know, if we were to do like a bigger version of this, what would we need? Well, it need to be like um, the, uh, the temperature would need to be controlled. Okay, so it needs to be in a safe space. We're not going to get to it. Okay, cool. And as it's doing it, it's slowly panning to the left where you see like that they're outside a storage um, facility, uh, the commercial yeah. ones. And, um, and they're like, oh, he's basically, oh, look over there. And then you see um, uh, Abe, like, basically walking along with some oxygen uh, tanks. It's like, okay, it's weird. And I thought that was a bit like Tenet. I don't know if you've seen Tenet, but they no. do in Tenet, you have to wear an oxygen mask because you're traveling backwards through time. And so, okay. and I thought maybe Tenet got that from Primer because obviously that's traveling backwards through time. And in Tenet, you're traveling backwards through time and it's like your lungs work, your lungs work differently. So, um, so you have to have oxygen because your lungs are doing something different, whatever, whatever it was, it's quite fun. 
Um, a little tip of the hat there. And then... Um, but this was, again, this is like a little confusing bit, I thought, for me, because this is so pivotal and important, I think, that you yeah, understand this. Exactly. So then but, there's a lot that happens off camera. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so that's it. Like, I liked that pan, and you're like, oh, that's exactly where they need to build this thing. Mm -hmm. But, of course, Abe has already done it done at it. some yeah. point. So... When you see him, you don't realise he's got an oxygen tank. Well, you can see he's carrying stuff. Yeah. If you watch it a second time, you'll go, oh, yeah, you can zone in and see the detail and probably figure it out. But, um, yeah, it's just a bit like, is is that, I presume that's meant to be him, but is it him? Yeah, you're not quite sure. Uh, maybe 10 minutes later, or not even five minutes later, you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure that was him and that, that feels important. But it just felt like uh, that would have been good to really kind of get <laughs> yeah. at that point. Yeah, also it adds to the duplicitous nature of the two because he's essentially gone off and fucked off to do it by himself without yeah. telling without telling Aaron, um, which is a big deal when you think about it. Um, yeah. And now he's yeah. come back to be like, it's worked. Um, yeah. And I'm going to show you. And so again, I remember like thinking, that's cool for the story in a sense of he's like, it's already been done. So you as the audience are kind of with Aaron, which is important being like, oh, yeah. fuck, like, this is happening and it works and you've done it with a real person. But at the same time, you're thinking, like, shouldn't you have told me? <laughs> like, why am I just Absolutely. finding this now? It's exactly yeah. like what you've just said, which is that you kind of felt like you needed some kind of explanation and all this stuff, which I imagine is what Aaron's kind of going through <laughs> as well a yeah. little bit, because it's happened off camera. Um, so and he kind of references that as well, doesn't he, Abe? Like, he does say something like, "Yeah, you know, I'm sorry, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's very, very aware. They both are. Um, so now, but I guess like what works for the film is you've kind of now hopped over all that like stuff. He's just getting straight to like, this is the rules of time travel. So he's basically saying, right, so you, I've got it on a timer, a 15 minute timer. The reason why is because you put the timer on and that will switch the box on. And it means that when it gives you that 15 minute window to fuck off, basically, um, so that when your guy gets out, you're not actually meeting each other yeah. or running into each other. This is important because the whole point, and what Abe is really trying to keep, is what they call symmetry, which is basically the sense that don't you don't want to get into a paradox of like, you know, will you be alive if you killed your grandpa kind of thing. Mm. They don't want to get in, they want to do like, they want to, you know, like when talking about Back to the Future, like Doc Brown's like, it could be the end of the universe or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that's what he's worried about. And that's what he's genuinely scared about is he's like, we don't know. We might cause a paradox and it, it might fuck everything up. Yeah. And yeah. you'll notice um, that that kind of is important later because he has a fail safe box, which takes him back to before he's done any of this, <laughs> if he needs to, so that he can stop himself from doing it. But we'll kind of come on to that. So the idea is that they then, um, you you turn the box on and then you go into hiding for the whole day. You don't, you pull out all communications, you do nothing, literally nothing. And then, then you go back with your oxygen, you get into the box and then you'll travel back into when you get out. And then that means that because the other you that you, that you just were is in a hotel shacked up doing nothing, um, you can go about your day um, yeah. probably knowing all the information you need to know from whatever happened that day and you can go on and live your life normally so even though there is even though it feels like there's like but where's that person where does that person go to 
there is no that person. There's only one person. Even though there's two, there's still only one. <laughs> the problem is, is that gets that gets worse <laughs> as you go on. So this kind of makes sense at the moment. And I remember thinking, the first time I watched it, that's cool. That's a simple premise, right? That's a kind of weird, simple thing, which is like, you can only travel back to the distance where you turned on the box. You can't go back any further because the box isn't on. Um, yeah. And they do talk about stuff like, well, what if you opened the box while someone was in there before they got out? And it's like, don't know. Like, let's not even try it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a cool bit where they travel back as well. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, you'll feel something. You have to kind of time it right to come out. Otherwise, it'll fuck your brain up or whatever. Um, and it's funny. And then there's one bit where Abe, like, gets out and he's like, oh. And then he looks and then he, like, Aaron comes out and he goes to Aaron, yeah, you came out too early. And I'll say, you came out too early. And then obviously he's coming out too early because he's going backwards, isn't he? He's going backwards. Yeah. Time. So he came out early when, whereas we're watching it, time moving forwards, he's come out late. Um, right, and stuff like yes. that. And there's like a little sentence he says as well. He's like, oh, I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten anything since later this afternoon. And I thought, oh, it's like, I know it's, yeah, it's a bit cheese, but at the same time, I was like, oh, it's quite clever. I quite like it though. Um, That's the soundbite for the film, for yeah. the uh, trailer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. Um, so, uh, they start basically thinking, well, what can we do? What can we do with this? They're like, oh, do we need to... Um, they don't want to kind of cause too much of a commotion within the timeline. So they don't just want to, like, win the lottery or something. So instead they put money, they do, like, a more of a gradual thing, and they test it out by putting money on the stocks and shares and see what grows the quickest. They come back, they test it out, and, um, yeah, and that's and that's what they do, basically. Um, again, it's quite a selfish act, <laughs> They don't think, oh, we might help someone. You know, I guess they, they're they trying to do it very subtly, but they don't think of any, like, the good of humankind or whatever. They're just thinking, how can we make some money about it, uh, some money off it? Yeah, and there's no uh, discussion about that. They, You know, m- maybe there has been further mm. discussion or, or thought about how they're going to use it, but we're not presented with that. It's just straight into that discussion about stock market, isn't it? So, yeah, exactly. Bam. And whilst this is happening, there's also some talk of um, the party and uh, and someone's ex coming in with a shotgun and Aaron being like a hero. And that's not really delved. It's just kind of, you're a bit like, what? Like, that's weird. Um, and they also mention the fact that um, this guy they're trying to get, uh, this happened earlier, but I've, I forgot to bring it up, but like they're trying to find investors and basically Abe's girlfriend's dad is rich, I guess, and they're trying to get him to invest. He becomes quite important later on, um, out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the little things that are happening in the background, and you're like, okay, whatever. Um, and yeah, so during this time, um, they and this is another important thing, is they talk about like um one of their old, I think it's like an old boss or someone they used to work with who basically took their idea and made loads of money off it. Platt, I think it's called, something like that. Oh, yeah. And uh, Aaron's like, oh, man, I'd love to just punch that guy in the face and then I could just go back in time and tell myself not to do it. And Abe is a little bit like, yeah, you shouldn't really be thinking like that. Like that's a bit, he's like a little bit like, okay, um, that's kind of worrying that you're thinking. Like yeah. Um, he's like, you know, you can't do that, right? So yeah, I know, I know, I know. And he's like, Abe's like, okay. Um, so they start and then so they're starting to this this is where start mistakes start to come up so it's quite funny at one point i think they're watching like a football game or something 
and they're like, oh God, like the score isn't going to be right. The score's changed. They're like, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. No, it does. It does. So they're already like putting in the seeds of like, oh, like things can change, right? Like things, something's happened. We fucked up and like it's changed something. It's like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. And I think that's, and that's quite interesting. And then the big one is that Aaron gets a call from his wife um, and he's taken his phone with him and he's like, oh, what do I do? So he picks up and he's like, hi, how's it going? And they're like, okay, that's fine. That's fine that you can do that. It just means you can't take your phone back with you. So he's like, yeah, yeah, fine, I won't. He goes back and he does have the phone and his wife calls and his phone goes off. And he's like, shit. So that means that the original me hasn't got the phone call. So they start freaking out or at least Abe does. And he's like, there's no symmetry. Like you fucked it. Like, what what do you do? So he's like, I don't know. Like what happens? What happens? And they're like, maybe... Can it ring on two phones? He's like, no, it doesn't work like that. It like goes to the first phone with the first number. So he's like, okay, like, how do you feel? And he's like, I feel fine. I don't I feel all right. So they're like, okay. So now they blow it like, off. Yeah, they blow it off. But now it's like this idea of like, oh, maybe we can change time. Um, we shouldn't, but you know, that kind of happened and that was okay. And there's part of me when you go back and watch the film where I thought, is Aaron doing this on purpose to test out whether you can or can't like, mm. cause it doesn't feel too much like an accident. Like he's taking it very like chill. He takes it very casually. Yeah. yeah. I thought it's a bit of a big deal if he hasn't, but then I think because he kind of plays with time later, is he just a bit like, I fucked symmetry anyway. <laughs> like, so. Yeah. And do we even matter? know for sure which version of him we're with at that point? Exactly. Yeah. Which is also part of it. Um, so yeah, Aim's really scared. Um, and then uh, we, so then this is where it kind of starts getting a bit weird. And this is kind of like coming to the end of the second act now, right? Which is basically Abe is woken up by some kids bashing on car alarms at like whatever it is, like 3 a.m. in the morning or something. So he's like, okay, he, you find out that he, again, has been a bit duplicitous because he's actually been putting the box on at 5 p.m. every night just in case. So he's like, okay, look, here's what we'll do. We'll go, we'll find Platt, whoever his name is. We're going to beat the shit out of him. Then we'll go back to 5 p.m. the day before and we'll tell those kids not to bash that street alarm. And that means that I won't be woken up and we would never have done any of this, right? So we can kind of test it out and see if that symmetry is fine or if we can play with time. And also we get to smack our boss on the nose or whatever. So then, so Aaron's a little bit like, oh, okay, like whatever. Um, but as they kind of, and this is what happens, so as they go to do it, they notice um, their boyfriend's dad. Uh, I think his name's Granger or something. But they're like, yeah, but he's all he's got like a beard now. Like he was, I saw him earlier today, and he was like clean shaven, and he looks all like, you know, dishevelled. And they're like, what are you yeah. talking about? And then now it starts playing. The editing starts playing as well because now some of the shots like jump forward a little bit. And I think right. it's trying to like, I think it's trying to confuse you as an audience member to try and make you feel like time is starting to freak out and shift, and yeah, shift maybe. around a little bit. Because, it becomes even more bewildering, frankly. Yeah. So as a viewer, you're like, what am I looking at? And then you're seeing shots that are happening in like two minutes time. Um, and I think, yeah, that's it. Time's starting to freak out. So basically yeah. um, they go out and then Granger basically, if I'm Granger and um, Aaron like run off 
and you're with Abe, and then he sees him on the floor, or whatever. And well, like, he calls, doesn't he? Oh, that's he calls right. yeah, his um, girlfriend to get the dad's number. That's right. Yeah, and he rings him, and he does answer the phone because yeah. this is in the early hours of the morning. So he answers the phone, so it confirms and corroborates that there are yeah, two, two versions two in, in this time strand yeah that's absolutely right so they're like okay well something's obviously happened like for him to actually be here um and anyway so after that altercation everybody's freaking out so this is the beginning of the third act Mm. um i guess like i'll go over the whole thing (laughs) i'll try to but in a sense when you're watching it first time you see about the fail safe and the fact that Abe is going to go back and he's going to kind of put a stop to it all, but it doesn't really work. And then you start seeing scenes that you've seen before, but they're different. And um, and we should say that, like, Aaron has started to get, like, he's, like, bleeding from his ear and shit. So obviously this is having a bit of an effect. Abe, at this point, like, faints or whatever. And then Aaron basically confesses, and we'll get to this, confesses that actually he's been fucking around with time this whole time throughout the entirety of the film um he's been pissing about with time he basically found the fail safe that uh, abe had put he took two boxes with him into the fail safe went all the way back to the beginning so he used abe's fail safe then replaced it with another with two fail safes <laughs> um uh so abe thinks he's still got his fail safe which actually is a different fail safe yeah. and then aaron has actually been a completely different aaron um from when he's sitting on the bench with his earpiece in that's actually aaron from now who's gone back so we'll kind of get to that in a sec but you see he's kind of saying about all this and this is when i'm watching it going like what (laughs) like what's happened because at one point there's like three aarons as he's talking about it and i was like what the hell is kind of happening um and then they basically it gets to a point where they have to do something at the party and we'll come to that um uh but basically aaron feels like because he saw granger something fucked up at that party that he needs to fix so they need to go to the party they need to make sure the party happens they go to the party and they have to really like save the day it wasn't enough to save the day and this is why it kind of gets confusing so i'm like which timeline have i watched what am i watching like where where is this now a little bit Um, Yeah, and what actually does saving the day entail? Because we haven't had enough information about what the kind of like... Yeah, the exact details. What's the core event of this part? What is the thing that's so bad that they're now trying to manipulate and change? Yeah, well, that's it. Because the ex comes in with a shotgun. That's all you know. He's coming with a shotgun and he's threatening his ex-girlfriend, which is Abe's girlfriend at the time, whose dad is Mr. Granger. So you're thinking, whatever's something's happened... um, and he needs to like basically fix it better than he did originally because obviously for Granger to come back, that means that something's probably happened that comes all the way back to that party. So they both sort out that party and then they're basically like, right, we have to call it a day. Like, <laughs> this is it. Um, Aaron's like, right, I'm going to fly off. See ya. Abe's like, I'm going to hang around and make sure that um, my real Abe who he's knocked out, who's the angel that doesn't even know he can time travel yet, um, doesn't figure out time travel. And I'm just going to have to sit and watch, make sure it doesn't happen. And that's that. And they basically have this little argument where Aaron's a bit like, Aaron's like, it's going to happen, like whatever. 
Um, and then it gets like a bit personal. He's like, oh, you've always wanted like my life or whatever, like, you know, and all this. And, and Abe is a bit like, you know, you're a dick. And then yeah. walk off. And then the, the, the kind of final shot is Aaron in a big warehouse full of uh, people in a different country, essentially hinting that he's building a massive like warehouse sized box. Yeah. Um, and that's how the film ends. Yeah. That scene in the airport, yeah. I thought uh, that was quite strange because that seemed like quite conventional, mm. almost a bit cheesy. Like the thing of the, you know, the lovers coming together at the airport and it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to come with you. And that's like the, the you know, the big uh, crux of the films. Surely they'd have had that conversation before they got yeah, to the to departure lounge, lounge yeah. to the airport. It's a bit of a... Um, um, cliche a little bit yeah, yeah it's just really weird so for him to do that i thought as a director after everything he's kind of laid out yeah to kind of fall back on something like that i thought was very odd yeah it was weird um i liked that final uh, little scene though which one that final scene where he's like clearly making like a bigger i'm gonna make a bigger box yeah, and that's <laughs> it like he's still selfish basically he just doesn't give a shit he's quite willing to just fuck with time um, and doesn't care about the consequences. So now for those who may have watched it, I'm going to try my best. We've kind of explained it a little bit there. And I think we did quite well, but um, try and explain what actually happens and who is who. Um, I'm going to try my best to do this. So basically we start on Monday. This all takes place over the course of, I want to say like five days or something like that. So we got it on Monday and you've got Abe, right? Abe has, <laughs> God, this is going to be, this is going to be painful. So Abe, can you also, do you think you can um, match your narration to the music and lyrics of Craig David's song? Okay. So, back in town Monday. on Monday. We were freaking out by Tuesday. Yeah. And we never experienced <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Um, I don't think I can. Um, so essentially, Monday 9am is there is a box. Now, Abe turns the box on. And then he goes to a hotel by himself. And this is the first test. And he's like, okay, whatever. Then at 3 p.m. on that Monday, he gets in the box so that he comes out 9 a.m. in the morning as, um, uh, well, I guess, uh, Abe. I think, um, as I'm going by this description, it's called Abe 1, I guess. So Abe 1 is now living his life. Um, and this is where he meets Aaron. And he's like, guess what? I've just basically traveled in time. <laughs> Um, it's pretty mm. cool. It's pretty great. Um, and we see, we see all that stuff, right? So also at the same time, he has built a fail safe, which, um, he's turned on before he's turned on this 9am one, which is actually at 5am. So he's done a fail safe box that's four hours before the box that he goes in, if that makes sense. So he's yeah. got this box, as far as he's concerned, he's got this box, it's just sitting there. It's just in case. I'm just going to have it there so I can go back and stop myself should I need to. Right, so that's so that's that. Which version of Aaron is that that he's speaking to, though? It's a good question, Dan. And the honest answer is, I think he's speaking to the, I want to say, the second edition of Aaron. So in theory, okay. the only time that we see the original Aaron is very quickly when he's having breakfast that morning with his kid it's about three seconds wow. 
I don't think we see that much of him apart from when he's getting carried to an attic, but we'll kind of come to that. So, <laughs> so yeah, so basically, um, so <laughs> Abe, yes, as you said, Abe talks to Aaron and he's like, yeah, okay, this cool thing. Aaron's gone off to speak to this um, guy playing basketball saying, you're coming to the party tonight, whatever. He's doing his bits that he's got to do in the office before he goes off with Abe. And it's like, yeah, fine. So um, then all we know is that there is a party that happens um, that night, right? And this is apparently, this is the party where something happened and all this stuff. But we don't know what it, we don't really know much about it yet. Or we don't know, we don't really know anything about what happened originally. So the next morning, this is when they're like, we're going to try it out together, right? So the party's already happened. We don't really know anything about it. So Abe and Aaron set the, turn the boxes on at Tuesday at 9 a.m. And then that's when they go to the hotel for the first time together. They're pissing about and they come back um, and uh, they get out of the box. And now we've got Aaron one and Abe two, right? If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. whilst their other versions, their older versions are holed up in the hotel, they play the slots game and they're like, okay, cool. We've, made some money off the stocks. This works. Brilliant. Now, the problem is, is that, and this is what we don't see to the end, when um, when they have carried on their life, so their doubles have now gone in the box and now there's, so now there's only them left, which is Aaron 1 and Abe 2, this is where Aaron has found the failsafe box. And he's like, okay, what the hell is this? I need to go back in time uh, to like, um, to basically... Uh, do something at this party right so i think the issue here is that i was thinking is it because he it doesn't even make sense i was thinking is it something that's happened at the party or is it that he wants to impress this guy to get the investment or something so he wants to do something at the party you're not you're not really ever quite sure why he really wants to travel all the way back to do that day again unless it has something to do with that party that happens that evening so now Aaron okay. too has gone back in time to 5am on Monday, right? So he gets out at 5am and he's brought back with him two fail safes. So now he's used that fail safe. So now he's replaced it with, replaced Abe's one, original one, with that one. And he's also got a spare, he's also got the other one. So he's got two. So <laughs> he switches those on because, yeah. you know, you have to. Um, and switches the original failsafe off. Yeah, the original failsafe is used because he's been in it and he's used it for himself. So that's redundant now, basically. But he's still got these two and who knows who the fuck's going to pop out. So Aaron 2 then goes, he's now got to, now there's two Aarons, right? So now because he's gone that far back on the Monday, he needs to replace himself. So he goes back to his home where Aaron 0, who just doesn't even know what the fuck is going on, um, is basically gets beaten up. Oh, no, he doesn't get beaten up, sorry. They, I think they inject the milk or whatever it is. Yeah, inject something in the milk. That's right. And he gets carried off to the attic, yeah. which comes into play later. So he's in the attic. Meanwhile, Aaron 2 takes the place of who we thought was Aaron 0, but it's not. So he's got the little earpiece in, and what he's doing is he's actually recording the conversation, <clears throat> I believe, Yeah. Um, that he's having with Abe 1, who we saw. So I think the presumption is, is that this version of events is the one that we have just seen. Um, so we never saw Aaron Zero um, do any of this, basically, I think. So Abe and Aaron have their little chat and all this stuff. 
everything happens as we've seen it in the film. But but Aaron has now done something at the party that is like heroic. So Aaron two and Abe one, um, then go into their um boxes, do what they were doing on the Tuesday normally. But now they've basically changed into Aaron three and Abe two. So at this yeah. point, Aaron is like. <laughs> like he's gone back in time like about three times or whatever I've, uh, I've just said so he goes off and lives his life and then this is when he's a bit like yeah i'd really love to like punch our old boss in the face and they're like you know oh you know can't do that like you know that's it's gonna fuck with time or whatever and this is where i start think i think he's thinking i've already fucked with time <laughs> like i fucked with it so Maybe I do want to kind of do that. And that's why yeah. I think he's he's so blasé going forward is because now he's already made the choice by shutting his original self in the attic yeah. <laughs> that he's kind of already <laughs> fucked around with stuff. And you'll notice that there's a scene where they're like, she's like, honey, have you caught the exterminator for those rats upstairs? He's like, oh, they're like birds. You don't want some dead birds. It's like, oh, she thinks there's rats upstairs. It's not rats. It's him. It's his yeah. original self up there, <laughs> probably dying and just trying to get out. And for me, like when I, um, when I realised that, and when I read about it afterwards as well, because I had to re- redo all this stuff after I watched it, I hadn't seen it in so long. I was like, that is horrific. That is horrible. And again, it's kind of that weird, selfish um, nature about it all. And it also reminded me: Do you ever see? Talk about Christopher Nolan. Did you ever see The Prestige? Yeah. So you remember, like, and this is a spoiler for The Prestige. Basically, mm. like Christian Bale versus Hugh Jackman, who's the best magician. Christian yeah. Bale's big secret is that he's got because they do a teleportation thing, and the whole thing is that he's actually got a twin, um, and that's the trick: is that it's not that he's actually teleporting himself; it's that he's had a secret twin for all this time, and this was their big trick that they revealed. Hugh Jackman thinks there's some kind of science behind it, and he's able to duplicate himself, but it means that every time he duplicates himself, one of him has to die and drown. Um, and he never knows which one he's going to be. And that always stuck with me. And it's kind of the same here where it's like two of us exist. One yeah. has to go like they can only, yeah. be only one to quote Highlander. So now we head into Wednesday, right? So they've 9am again, they set the box. This is coming. This is coming routine now. Um, so Aaron three, Abe two, stowaway. And this is when um, I believe, um, I don't know, is it a phone call now? I can't remember. Oh, no, maybe it's not the phone call now. But um, so, yeah, Aaron uh, 4 and Abe 3 get out um, and uh, at 3 o'clock. And then at the evening, um, they uh, go into Thursday. So that day was pretty non-eventful. And then it's Thursday. They switch the machines at 9 a.m. That's when they go into hiding. Um, and, then and then that's when Aaron gets the phone call. Aaron 4. Age three, they're in the hotel room and gets the phone call. That's when, as we're saying, like things are starting to get a bit fucked up. So anyway, it's like, okay, just whatever, just don't bring your phone back. So they go back in time um, and they become Aaron five and Abe four. They do the stock market thing. Aaron gets the phone call. So he's like, ooh, fuck. Um, okay, that's bad. But okay, well, whatever. So then we get into Friday, early Friday morning. And this is when Abe gets woken up by those kids and um he's like okay yeah cool we, so we have this whole event that i've already spoken about where they see um uh, granger whatever his name is and they're like yeah you know and they're like oh man i think he's been traveling through time so that's when as i said they kind of abe gets into what he believes is his original failsafe box 
even though it's not. And he travels back in time because he's like, I'm going to like stop this all. Put this right. Yeah, yeah. Put this right, basically. Aaron also goes back because he thinks I need to like sort out whatever happened at this party. So Aaron gets up um, and he's like Aaron six. He goes, <laughs> and this is where it gets fucking weird. Aaron six goes to where Aaron two had just put Aaron zero in the attic. So Aaron zero is in the attic. Aaron two is now ready to like, do the day that we've just seen this fake Monday with the earpiece in and Aaron yeah. six is like, they have a fight apparently <laughs> that you don't really see it. Two, six, nine, two. And then they sit down and they talk about it. And basically they come to the decision that Aaron six is like more invested in the plan or whatever. Or like knows so much. And Aaron two is just like, okay, well, I guess I'll go then. So then this Aaron two that we have in theory just seen disappears and just like, and just leaves. Um, Never, I guess, to be seen from again. I think the idea is that the narration that we're hearing is what Aaron 2 is leaving for Aaron 6 because he's like, I've recorded the conversations and all this stuff, so now you can hear exactly everything that's been said, which makes sense for later. So Aaron 5 has now gone out of his failsafe. He has um, uh, he has locked up basically Aaron, uh, sorry, Abe Zero. He's um, knocked him out with gas and locked him in the bathroom or something like that. So now he's taking his place. So now Abe, trying to keep some form of symmetry still, goes to meet Aaron. But Aaron is now Aaron Six, not Aaron Zero, which is what Abe is going to presume. And Abe starts like going, and he starts going a bit funny and passes out. And then this is when Aaron basically tells him, and everything that's been that's been happening and he's like we've got to we've got to go to this party we've got to make things right and all this stuff so um it's quite funny because they think that they're or abe thinks he's another person where it's like actually i'm the aaron that you left <laughs> that you just left behind in the future i guess um yeah that's it they think they're on a level playing field at this point it's like, as you've just <laughs> demonstrated it's completely cluttered yeah it's, it's insane so there's like it's like three different versions of Aaron just walking around the earth at this one point, which is mad. Um, so Aaron can like, and this is what's quite cool is where they can hear what they're supposed to say, like before they say it. So they make sure yeah. they kind of don't put a foot wrong. Um, and you'll also notice that their handwriting has gone a bit funny and they don't really know why. And as I was saying from earlier, because they put their hands in the magnet thing, it might have sent their hands back in time a little bit. <laughs> So they are thinking things, but their hand isn't matching the speed of their brain. It's actually, Mm, so that's why they're like, it's like as if they're like a few seconds behind, or it could be the fact that they are, um, they've traveled through time so much that it's actually fucked to them. So anyway, they go to the party, which apparently is going to be this big deal. And um, they deal with this ex-boyfriend, not really sure what they do. It's all just like a mess. Basically, Aaron, Abe is like freaking out a little bit. And then this is where we get this final scene, which is just like, okay, cool. Like, I guess Aaron Zero um, will be the new Aaron. Um, you know, and I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to pull off like how he's been in the attic for like a day or whatever. He might still be asleep. Who knows? Um, it's a bit weird. And, that, and this is when Abe is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to make sure we don't travel through time again. So, well, this is where there's a little bit where they talk about going off together. Yeah, go on. You, you remember this. And taking, basically, taking their 
own selves passports and stealing them. So again, he, I think Abe raises a sort of like concern about that, about the ethics of that, doesn't he? But Aaron's basically like, well, they're not going anywhere soon. Yeah, I think I remember so, that. Yeah, sorry. We'll just take their passports and uh, and we'll get out of here. Yeah. So I thought that was, again, that's like a nice little bit in the end, just to, if you haven't digested everything that you've just said, just a little reminder that there are multiple versions here at the end. But they see themselves as the dominant versions. Mm. Um, and they're not, well, Aaron isn't worried about tampering, I suppose, with their lives. Whereas this is it. Now the contrast is like Abe's like, that's not okay. And uh, pack it in. Yeah, exactly. But obviously, he does take his passport. Aaron takes the other Aaron's passport, I guess, to get to. Yes, well, true. all, yeah, we, all we get told is that it's probably in some foreign land. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's it. I think we did a good a job as we probably could. Um, in that it's a it's a relatively like short film. It's um, I think it's an hour and fifteen minutes or so. Um, yeah, it's not a long film. Um, and yeah, I genuinely like. I know you said you didn't really like it, but I was in love. I guess with the idea of it being a puzzle and trying to figure it out. And I know like a lot of films have done that better um, as well, but I liked the idea that it was, um, it dealt with the idea of like time travel as a concept as well, because there's that, um, there's that, you know, like Hawking's and, and all this stuff in terms of, you know, what, because they're dealing with gravity and the fact that gravity doesn't perceive time and things like that. And then make an anti-gravity machine so the science of it, even though it's obviously very rudimentary and still science fiction, but there's a quite heavy emphasis on the science part. And I quite liked that, just that idea. I like the fact that it's like dirty and grubby and it's not some kind of like swish, like, oh, it's a, it's a, like a futuristic watch that will send me through time or something like that. This feels like industrial and horrible or whatever. Um, I liked how, um, yeah, it wasn't afraid to just, you know, take a very bold step into trying to, confuse the audience and basically um the fact that they have you know they've tried to make it with like when you start fucking with time um it becomes a mess and we're not going to try and shy away from that because this is what it could be but it also questions everything that you've seen up to that point and well and after that point once you figure it out i guess um and where you know you don't know what version of the timeline you've seen at, at any point mm. really um you're not really quite sure um or you're not even sure what the definitive timeline is or if, even if there is one um and i just like that idea of like and that's why i quite like time travel stuff generally sometimes is it because it opens up the perceptions of reality a little bit and makes you question what is real what can be real and how easily in theory that could be like twisted um and things like that i don't know just it's, it's it does like um it purposefully it is convoluted and i guess like purposefully convoluted um but i like that it drops enough hints that you can probably try and figure it out if you really sat down with it which is what i did um yeah there you go that's it you have to be uh engaged with the idea of solving that puzzle i think to really enjoy the film because otherwise if you just sort of step back and um sort of you know gloss over some of that specific detail like I said, you've actually got quite a simple story. Mm. A bunch of guys come up with an invention. Mm. 
they get a bit greedy, mm. start using it, it goes wrong. And then it's like, are we going to be able to put it right? Mm. Um, and there's not much more to it than that, really. You know, there's no, I don't think, exploration really of, of too much in terms of like character or theme. Mm. Um, so really, I think it is, are you going to buy into some of the stylistic decisions? Mm. Um, and are you going to go away and really think about that that detail yeah you really have to be into like calculus and <laughs> solving problems yeah. if you like rubik's cubes maybe you'll enjoy this film otherwise if you want to see a good time travel film pass on this and just go and watch bill and ted's excellent adventure but the one thing i like i mean yeah and bill and ted does this as well but the one thing i like about it and the fact that this is like a serious time travel thing is that it takes a very bold stand on on the idea of a paradox so mm. where like you think of um for instance terminator terminator 2 or whatever uh, well let's do the original terminator which is like all this stuff was supposed to happen there is no paradox the it was always going to be michael Byrne was always going to be john um thingy's dad blah, blah, blah. it all had to happen has happened and has already happened will happen whereas with this it takes a button he even says it at one point where it's like they talk about the paradox and he's like and they say about the whole, like, oh, you'll kill your own grandfather, will you be born or whatever? And he's like, I don't buy into that. Like, it just is, it is what it is. Like, the reality is what it is. And if you went back yeah. and did it, then, you know, I don't think you would cease to exist because that all had to happen. And then you get into, like, and this is where you start going into, like, the multiverse or whatever and all this stuff, which Marvel is now kind of delving and dipping a toe into, and I really don't like it. But um, I like the science of it. I don't like it when it's applied to... <laughs> something like marvel where it's like we can just bring characters back to life and do whatever we want because it's a multiverse so who cares but with something like this um i like the idea they're just like yeah <laughs> we fucked with time uh we tried it and we fucked with time and um yeah it's a paradox but oh well yeah <laughs> uh and I, I quite liked it just for being quite bold so in theory it's uh, there's always that thing in the back of my head with these films where i'm like i'm trying to figure out what's like, well if that happens that, that means that must have happened here and with this it's like nope You've just got three Aaron's at once. So there's two Aaron's out there who have essentially come from nothing, really. Mm. They've just existed. And um, and they're out there just, what, living their lives, the rest of their lives as these weird, like, <laughs> like I don't know, like um, lone wolves of, like, living outside. Dispossessed. Space. Yeah. yeah. Can't live and do anything to the end of their days. And that's not even touched upon. It's, like, it's not even the basis of it um so yeah it's a weird film i think it is very odd quite apt for odd cast i guess and i feel like certainly it's is. ages and i do the length longer than the fucking film we've actually yeah. been <laughs> discussing it and um, you could have gone and watched it by now um, i bet some of the listeners wish they could go back in time <laughs> yeah and switch it off <laughs> switch this off before they started when it's too uh... late okay um well quickly i thought we'd go to um uh, well, should we do Nerds Corner or review first? Have you got something from Nerds Corner? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Let's just take a quick trip there. So, Dan, Nerds Corner, um, I kind of touched upon all the nerdy bits. I was thinking about maybe going into the element of time travel um a little bit and talking about i think it's called the feynman diagram which is essentially 
talking about like a space where um something to do with like uh positive um electrons and positrons or whatever and there being a space and then to do with quarks and all this stuff and i was like I'm not going to be able to explain it, basically, to any sort of, like, proper degree. And I like to think that, you know, I do know a bit of, like, astrophysics and time and space, but I was like, there is zero, but, like, no one's going to get any fun out of this. So instead, as we normally do, I thought I'd listen to the soundtrack. Way. Which is by, That's much more uh, up my alley. Yeah, which is by um, <laughs> Shane Carruth himself. Um, should say he has, he basically played a little bit of piano when he was a kid. Um, and that was it. So he's, um, I thought it was quite bold to think that, you know, you might as well just do it, do the whole thing yourself. And I honestly, I really like it. Um, it's, I mean, it's not long. It's literally like 10 minutes or something stupid because mm. um, obviously he's, um, he only did it to, uh, it was quite a minimalistic story, but he only did it just to like um, have something kind of over the top. Um, but it's actually quite nice and ambient, I think. He does a much better job, if you ask me, on Upstream Colour, which he also did the thing for. And that's a, that feels a little bit more modern, whereas with this, it's more like plinky-plonky kind of piano and some like nice ambient noises. Um, and I enjoyed that aspect of it. So I thought, well, I'll play a little bit. So this is Aaron's Depth, which is the opening track to the original motion picture score. And it is, it's only nine songs, 11 minutes, 30 seconds. I'm looking at it now. So here is Aaron's Depth. was lovely lovely and relaxing that was very nice it's good isn't it yeah uh, i've got to say the music didn't make a big impression on me when i was watching it um it's hardly but, it? i mean that's yeah i mean that's quite a good thing in a way um because it's not you know obtrusive yeah um yeah i honestly um it's quite nice to listen to uh, and i think because it's a bit minimalist uh, minimalist for the most part, it's just a piano and some bits. Mm. Um, I thought it was quite nice. And you think this guy is not a musician. Um, he just did stuff he thought worked and what he liked. Um, and yeah, just hats off. Um, he experimented and he, you know, just did it himself. Um, so yeah, that was Primer. Um, I quite liked it. Um, I can understand why people didn't. What are the reviews, Dan? What, do, what does everyone else think? Let's take a look. Um, I'm not going to go to any professional reviews, of course. Of course. We could do that, but it's boring. Yeah. Um, here's a positive one that I, I thought um, made a few good points. Uh, a film for the days when science fiction was about wrestling with ideas. Yeah. It's a nice way of putting it. Mm. So this guy summed up the sort of plot a little bit, but let's get to the meat of it. Science fiction in the cinema has largely been dominated by the visual impact. 
And so this, Primer, is a welcome, uh, for some, return to the world of ideas. This is not an easy rise entertainment film, but one where you have to concentrate to keep up, working out the logical implications of what's happening. If made on the scale of Men in Black or The Matrix, it would descend to the level of spoof. Uh, as it is, we follow the two main characters, knowing that their actions are having momentous effects on the world around them and on themselves. Instead of flashy graphics, we are left to keep the ramifications of the story in mind as the characters themselves grapple with what they know is happening, but can't even let themselves look at directly. Mm. That's quite um, nice. true. Yeah, I thought it was true. And uh, I was amused by the thought of like a, a big budget Hollywood blockbuster remake of the film in the uh, yeah. mould of the Matrix. Yeah, it'd be very... Um... Aaron, no! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it, man. I'm going to step in. No, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just bullets uh, flying in, <laughs> in and out of this fucking little tiny. Mm-hmm. It's like a safe or something, it feels like. I mean, that's the thing with these boxes as well. It's like you've got the, the box on the cover. We should talk about the cover, actually, because the cover makes it look a bit like a horror film or something, which I always found yeah. interesting. Um, but the actual boxes that they use, I mean, that's just at the beginning. The actual boxes they use are more, they look like, I don't know, they look like, like fucking freezers or something like that. Um, yeah, it looks like an old water tank that you'd find in the attic. Yeah, it's really weird. And obviously that's less visually um, interesting. But uh, Yeah, yeah I, I, I saw that image and I did think, oh, that is, yeah, not in any way the film I've just seen. Mm. It does definitely look like a creepy sci-fi horror. Mm. Like you think something's going to come out of there, an alien from another dimension or something, mm. you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, that was a good one. That's a good review. Any other um, decent ones? Yeah. I mean, despite having a quite a decent score, I think it's got like 6.9 mm-hmm. average on IMDb. Um, the reviews are like, there's there's an absolute cascade <laughs> Yeah. Of one star reviews, so hit me. Let's go with first one. One star out of ten. Insulting drudgery. Insulting. Primer is often praised for its clever, convoluted plot that you'll have to watch several times to truly figure out. This is a myth. Yeah. Since if you pay close attention and ignore the film's many irrelevant details and scenes, the plot is a pretty simple tale of a guy going back in time, making a mistake going back again to fix that mistake the film is hard to follow not because of any clever or deep writing but instead because the editing is utterly terrible what was the mistake we don't know i suppose the the party or just or doing it in the first place i suppose well yeah but maybe maybe he's talking about uh abe Abe, yeah Mm. Um, there did seem to be, from these comments that I read, a sort of uh, understanding that this film is sort of more told from Abe's perspective. Mm. If you follow well, it's, it... It's, it's like the first half, Abe's kind of the protagonist, and the second half, Aaron feels more like the protagonist. Yeah, that's true. They sort of flip, don't they, mm. actually? Because Abe starts off as the guy who's, like, driving everything. Yeah. And then Aaron becomes the monster. Mm. Anyway, that's my comment, not the comment of uh, Mr. Insulting Drudgery. Let me, let me go back to what he's got to say. Um, yeah, the film is hard to follow, not because of any clever or deep, reading, uh, deep writing, but instead because the 
Editing is utterly terrible. The characters spout technical jargon for too long uh, without serving the plot or theme. And a couple of scenes are incomprehensible because of bad lighting, awkward cutting, poor staging and lousy sound quality. I do agree with that last point. I did really struggle at some points to even hear some of that muffled dialogue. I suppose a lot of it isn't essential. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit like oh, a bit of a pain when you're trying to really watch it. Yeah, like, I see that. It's not, there's just a oh, lack yeah, of yeah. Um, clarity, I guess, or whatever, however you want to call it. It just feel, feel a bit muffled sometimes, especially towards the end because you're just a bit like, I, just, I don't really understand what's happening. And it does feel a bit like mumblecore or something like that. <laughs> uh, all the dialogue is dry and dull, never giving us the slightest reason to care about any of the characters. Primer won't stir any emotions in you. It won't inspire your imagination. It won't make you reflect on life. And it won't even make you uncomfortable. Its storytelling style is woefully incompetent and would be better suited to instructional pamphlets. And what? I wouldn't <laughs> say um, I would agree with that, I'm afraid. I don't think that's necessarily true. And I think the fact that, as well as Shane, what's the name, uh, said, and as you hinted at um, what you said earlier, um, he didn't want it to be too dramatic. He wanted it to be like normal and all this stuff. And um, I think it definitely comes across that way, um, especially with Abe, because Aaron isn't even an actor. You see, he's just played. He's just played it himself. But he does come across. I think part of it maybe has to do with his character, as in his own character. He comes across as a little bit like not sleazy, but like a bit. Um, bit of a chancer or so, I don't know, not a chance because he does work for it, but just there's something like off about him. Um, and it mm. might be the bad acting, but also it's to do with the fact that throughout the whole thing, you know, he's kind of the bad guy in a weird way, um, even though they're both bad. But yeah, the fact that there's something a little bit off, I think the fact that he's not an actor plays into that more. Does that make sense? Mm. It yeah. might just be something I'm just picking up, I'm, you know, which doesn't exist, but um, I don't know. I think there's something in that. Maybe. Um, here's another one. I'm just going to read the uh, the headline. Yeah. A confidence trickster slyly delivers a movie so incomprehensible that geeks fall in love with the notion of understanding it. Yeah. A badge of honour of sorts. Yeah. It's true. It's me. I mean, that's you don't have to read the rest of it. It's going to be a description of me, isn't it? It's about, Jesus Christ, the guy's written oh, like Jesus a Christ. broadsheet essay. Right, give me the highlights. Oh, man. Um, it's seriously long. I think that was it. That was kind that's of the point. Mate, yeah, yeah, let's just leave it the headline then. Um, well. Um, even this guy, I love movies about time paradoxes, but this one just left me confused. Um, it's it's the, the a lot of people paradox. angry that it seems to have done quite well when it was first screened. Yeah. Well, that was it. So I guess, I don't know if we even talked about it, but yeah, he literally, like when it's finished, he paid the 50 bucks and put it into Sundance and it won like best drama or something. Um, and it beat a lot of the darlings at the time, like uh, Napoleon Dynamite and all this. Um, nice. And it did really well. Um, and yeah, it took a while, I think, for them to actually get it released properly. Um, but yeah, that's how people knew about it. It's because it won bloody big Sundance award, um, which is a big deal. Nice. Yeah. $50. Wow. Yeah. Well, the thing is, that's the thing. Like, I've put in films to film festivals and stuff before. And I would say most, half of my budgets at least, 
um, have gone on to just entry costs. Just yeah. To put them in. Um, because yeah, it's like some of them are free, some of them are expensive, like a hundred quid or something. Um, but yeah, normally you're spending like thirty to fifty quid a pop, and you're sending them to like I don't know, you can send them to how many you like. There's loads out there, but you can send them to like a hundred, and at fifty, yeah. that's five hundred quid or whatever, just gone already. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's not bad though. It's not bad. It costs like seventy quid now to submit something for the Royal Academy for their bloody summer exhibition. Right. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, so you know, that's if you if it's fifty quid or whatever. And you can only do 10, that's still 500 quid. And you only got yeah. into 10, it might not get accepted in any. So, and some of them have um, things where they're like, we won't accept it unless it's an exclusive. So you're like, well, I don't <sighs> even know if it's, outrageous. I don't even know if it's, if anyone's going to play it. It's not even been on. Like, no one's accepted it. Yeah, it's an exclusive now when I'm giving it to you, but fuck knows what's going to happen by <laughs> <laughs> the time it, you know, even gets to you. And that's even if it gets chosen anyway. Um, oh, man, all these creative industries. Bullshit. Yeah, it's bull- especially bullshit. festivals. Like, I always think it's a bit funny with festivals because if people are in the, I understand that there's costs for setting it up and all this stuff um, and whatever. But if there's a, you know, if there's, you're paying to like put it together in like usually a DCP, like a cinema package, basically, which to be fair these days isn't like crazy expensive, but still a little bit of money. Um, and then, you know, sending it off to all these people. And you're not even going to go to it. So it's literally just throwing money into a pit, um, yeah. basically. And and it's for some shitty festival in the middle of nowhere. Like, I've had, like, some films screened, like, all over the world. This isn't me bragging. I'm saying it's, like, a bad thing at some small festivals. I don't, I don't know how it's gone down. I don't know if anyone even enjoyed it. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. But it's, like, it's just so I can say, like, oh, yeah, it played at this festival. It's like, what's the point to say anything? Like, no one gives a fuck. I could start a festival tomorrow. And say, like, yeah, I'm yeah. accepting these things. 20 quid to get in. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm not going to stop banging on about it. But Sundance is obviously, like, the best one, basically. So that put him on the map. And now yeah. he's uh, now he's rubbished it all up. Yeah. It's philandering. Well, I mean, like, Upstream Colour was a long time ago. Like, I don't know what he's done in between that and being a bloody, you know, harassing ex-girlfriend's. But um, I, if you liked uh, Primer, um, and even if you didn't like Primer, like I'd still say go see Upstream Colour. Um, it's shot m- much more nicely, I want to say. Um, and he, the music's nice. The story is insane, but it really stuck with me. Um, and again, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what's going on. And then when it finished, I was like, I, I figured it out. Um, cause it's not like primer. It's not to do with time travel or anything, but it is like, that was weird. Like what happened to make him think of that? Um, and yeah, I won't say too much about it, but, um, yeah, it's a, I think it's something that we'll probably try and cover at some point in the future. But, um, yeah, I thought he was going to go on and do loads more work for bigger budgets, but Ain't the case. Mm-hmm. It looks to have worked behind the scenes more on uh, on some bigger budget films. Oh, really? Doing what? Yeah, when you go into IMDb, he's known for Upstream, Colour and Primer, and then it's like a ghost story yeah. editorial department. Okay, yeah, no, a ghost story is really good. I can, yeah, see, I I can saw see, that. see a little bit of him in that, actually, thinking about it. Uh, uh, Allegiant, Additional Crew, 
So yeah, right. it seems to have just sort of uh, what year was that? Drifted behind the scenes. Allegiant is twenty sixteen. Additional crew. That means it just turned up for the day. Could be anything. Yeah. What else? He's if you look, he's had little credits across the whole spectrum, really. Okay. Composer, writer, editor, additional crew, camera and electrical department, casting director, production designer. Weird. Yeah. What a strange man. It's very strange man. <laughs> um yeah. Uh but yeah, check out Primer and uh, check out Upstream Colour. Um it kind of came and went. It it was like um upstream color this is it kind of you know a lot of people loved it for like 10 minutes and then never heard from again it made a lot of people's like top 10 films of that year um uh but yeah just had no lasting power i guess um and also it's not about time travel and people do love time travel even if it's a shit film about time travel people do enjoy it um cool i think that's it we've been speaking for a while now um so, yeah, uh, Dan, I've said my bit. Dan, any last thoughts from you on this? Have I, have um, I been willing, have I made, I don't know, like, have I had any effect in uh, my case? Not really, no. I mean, I appreciate the, uh, <laughs> it's more fun talking to you about it. Than watching than it. watching <laughs> it. Yeah. Right. Fair enough, well. Yeah, because I'm, I'm still at the same, uh, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, fun and figuring it out yeah. over a beer. Yeah. But as a viewing experience, um, yeah, just too, just too uh, dry and difficult. Yeah. I think if I'd come away, and maybe this other film that you're talking about sounds a bit better, if I'd come away with any sort of like emotional response where I thought, oh, that left me feeling a bit, you know, cold or conf- or sad or or horrified about what's happened to that guy in the loft or anything. Yeah. And that might have then maybe felt compelled to wonder about those details. And then that's quite exciting. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But it just left me cold. It's pure. It's, I mean, it's supposed to be a bit about them and their friendship, but it's not really. It's about, it's literally about the plot and the story and the puzzle of it all. Upstream Colour is about like a relationship. It's basically... Like a weird, I guess it's a weird love story, which doesn't really kind of get into it being a love story until about halfway through. But um, Christ, I've only seen that the once, and that's when it came out. So God knows. Um, yeah, let's let's check that out at some point. Um, so that's it, I guess. That's the end. Yeah. If you want to see a film about time travel, good old H.G. Wells, The Time Machine. And if you want to see a film about a box, a box, uh, boxing Helena, that's a good one. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a new winter podcast at gmail.com. This is part of a new winter podcast network, so head on over to a new winter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at a new winter, Twitter at a new winter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash a new winter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.